Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Farming Food Mom. As always, I am your host, Connie. I'm a certified personal trainer. I do online and in-person coaching, as well as a bodybuilding athlete and a health and fitness enthusiast. If you follow me on social media or you listen to my other podcasts, you know that I don't believe there is any one particular way for people to find success in their health and weight loss journey. There's so many different things out there, plans where people think that their way is the only way to lose weight. There's so many coaches out there um, handing out these cookie cutter plans with huge caloric deficits, large amounts of cardio and It's just not the way for everybody. Also, we're looking for things that are sustainable that we can hang on to for a long time. So with that being said, I'm lucky enough to have Karen Martell from Karen Martell Nutrition on today. She is a certified transformational nutrition coach and women's weight loss expert. She's the founder of the On Track Women's Transformational Weight Loss Program host of the popular women's health podcast and videocast, The Other Side of Weight Loss, as well as the host of the 2018 Women's Empowerment Summit. After struggling with her own issues, Karen was determined to bring her knowledge to others with a bold new approach to women's health and weight management. Karen's passion lies in helping women break through weight loss resistance and find their personal weight loss code through nutrition, breaking through emotional blocks, hormone optimization, and managing stress. Karen is the health leader and researcher determined to revolutionize nutrition for modern women. So today, Karen and I dive down several rabbit holes and talk about women's health and nutrition, and I can't wait for you to hear what we have to say. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good, Connie. Is that you in that picture? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no. So and that's why I actually contacted you is because I am a bodybuilding athlete. And funny enough, my podcast, I wanted it to just be a general health podcast, because that's where I started at. But it really started shifting towards being a really fitnessy bodybuilding podcast which is okay except for I see so much dysfunction in the fitness industry which Mm. is crazy um and then the other thing is is you see so much of the general public that is try like wants thinks they can look like these people and they'll just go on this thousand calorie a week diet and do excessive amounts of exercise and they'll look like that and in the end they end up just hurting themselves rather than helping themselves achieve you know realistic goals and and actual health so um I've worked with a lot of women that have done fitness competition and then they've damaged their metabolism so bad that they can't figure out why they're gaining weight and they're like why am I I just keep gaining weight and I'm you know and they'll try and get back into it like because they think that's the answer like okay well I just need to do what I did when I was in competition and then they, and it doesn't work anymore and their bodies resist it. They're losing weight. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of where I try to be an advocate in doing things the right way, because I mean, there's so many, there's no healthy way to become stage lean and being stage no. lean is a very temporary place to be. 
And a lot of people think that that's what you can look like all the time if you just work out and diet. And it's incorrect. So um, (laughs) I try to make sure that I'm real about the fact that there's there's healthy weight loss and then there's weight loss for competition and they're two completely different things. Right, right. So... So what, how old were you when you come in that picture? Uh, that was just, uh, that one was two years ago. Two years um, ago. And so you still compete? I do. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm on a break. I'm building and giving my body time to heal because, um, if you just continue to do competitions over and over and over again, your body is going to get to a real unhealthy place. <laughs> so, right. uh, so, okay. So I have another question for you, Connie. <laughs> Yeah, because I I do so much research and I've always thought like it's just there's no way a woman can look like that I don't think and I don't judge it my husband's done this I've considered doing it myself but are you taking things like Anavar or other steroid stimulant like stuff to get big like that no absolutely not no but most people do right No, no, actually, that's a common misnomer. I think people immediately like to point fingers and say that people are doing drugs if they want to look like that, um, which is actually um, completely inaccurate for a lot of people. Um, I actually started out with a full paleo diet. um, And I, uh, I lost like 50 pounds. And at that point, I was super skinny, like, like size one or two skinny. And I did not like the way I looked at all, which some people would be thankful to lose that much weight and be really (laughs) tiny like I was. And I was, I mean, I have battled my weight my whole life. And I was like, looking at myself in the mirror. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's like, I'm skin and bones. I could like see my ribs in my, like when I would look in the mirror, I could see them even through my chest. Like I was so skinny and it it was not like I was starving myself. I ate so much food, but just switching over to completely, actually I started with something called the gaps diet. I don't know if yes. you've ever, uh, I ever interviewed the like woman that. that developed the gaps protocol. So I Stop. know. Dr. Okay. Natasha McBride. She was yes. it's an amazing interview on yes. my podcast. Yeah. Well, I will have to go and find yeah. that. She's that so funny. Actually, I wasn't actually straight paleo. I was I went through the whole gaps protocol for wow. 16 months. And at that point, I went from 179 pounds oh. to about 117 pounds. Because did you have digestive problems? Is that what brought you to the gap? Well, what brought me to it is I have a son that has mental illness. Ah. And so we had tried literally everything. And finally, we were like, okay, so let's, you know, let's cross this bridge, you know, so we did. Um, Anyway, so at that point, though, I, I just found myself looking in the mirror one day, and I was so skinny. I mean, people were it was so wild because I was eating nutritious food, but I had lost so much weight and I was super, super skinny. And at one point I was just looking in the mirror and I was like, people were asking if I was okay, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm just fine. Really. I eat a lot of food. Um, but I, that, at that point I was like, okay, well, this is not a beach body. I look anorexic skinny. And the only way that I'm going to get the beach body that I want is if I start working out again. And I used to um, compete in some powerlifting competitions and stuff through high school. So, you know, I was like 
You had the background. Yeah. I mean, I was, I liked to lift weights and I knew that and I had been wanting to get back in the gym for ages and it just never happened because of life and kids and I was making excuses. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make this happen. And so I started lifting and I got really big into it again and just eating a clean diet and, you know, training, I had immense results from it. So, and I was eating a lot of calories too. Um, At one point my trainer had me calculating and I was, he had me at about 2,200 calories a day, which is pretty good. And I was looking amazing. So um, basically I put probably a good solid year into training before I hit the stage. And that picture that you see there is actually the result of that. And that was a 100% natural prep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did not. I just have to ask that (laughs) because I I mostly, I look and I, I think I envy the women, the CrossFit women. And I just think, is that, I don't think a woman can, they get that big. And I, you know, I just don't think they can. I've tried and I don't get, I don't look like that. Because (laughs) I think in that, you know, it all comes down to genetics, you know. Yeah, I think it does. here is the craziest part, that picture that you're looking at. um, At the time, my coach, she was was a very whole 30 um, type of lady and very natural. And she didn't believe in using any supplements at all. We're talking, we didn't use protein. We didn't use um, BCAAs. We didn't use um, anything. So I prepped out completely natural for that contest prep. And that was the best that I ever looked. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then my last prep, I ended up bringing on supplements and um, fat burners and stuff. And let me tell you, um, that was probably the hardest prep that I had ever had. Oh, wow. Interesting. So I compare the two and I'm like, well, what the heck? I put my health in jeopardy, you know, and I looked worse than I did when I put myself through perfect diet, you know, uh, no supplements at all, no protein powders, no artificial sugars, no nothing was the best package I've ever put on stage. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, that's cool. That's good to know. Yeah. Very good to know. it, it, It can happen. I think that you know, there's a lot of factors that have to come into play. And I fortunately, you know, I have been a, a farm girl my whole life. And I've always, even though I've not been in the gym, I've always been bucking hay bales, packing around 50 pound bags of feed, you know, so I've always right. had a, a strong muscle base anyways. And I've always been an athlete. So yep. for me to gain muscle, I mean, I had gotten really skinny. However, to get a muscle back and then start building it, the foundation had already been laid. Basically my body right. knew how to get to that point. So. And is your son better? Um, yeah, he is. Um, the problem is, is he's a teenager now and he uh, doesn't think that he needs to eat clean. And so that it affects that, him. That there is a problem there. Yeah. Especially because let's just be honest, mainstream um, kids, are obviously going to make fun of kids that are eating healthy. And so he gets a lot of backlash at school when he does even try to eat healthy. And so between being made fun of for making healthy choices and then also just being a teenager and feeling as though he can do whatever he wants, um, there's a little bit of an issue there. (laughs) And because you were into the GAPS protocol, did you, was there any correlation between when you vaccinated him and then his 
his with his anything mental with that um yeah so um that's some stuff that we've discussed you know um I, I just, I, I ask know. because I'm in heavy, I'm doing a heavy metal chelation and there's so many people on there that have kids that are go- doing it, that have, mm-hmm. you know, either autism or ADD, all, all of the mental issues. And yeah, people notice a huge difference with the chelation, not when he's a teenager, but maybe when he's in his twenties, he could consider chelating the heavy metal. Yeah. Stuff. Cause it's so brain, well, it's almost all in the brain, right? Yeah, and they did say at one point that they thought that there was some heavy metal problems there, but yeah. um, you know, he's got several things going on and unfortunately he's at a phase in his life where it's very difficult to control any of that because you know, when you're at that age where you just know everything and then you really don't care and then you, yeah. you choose to ignore things, you know, it's just yeah. unfortunate. So, um, one <laughs> you know back when he was younger he knew how much food affected him and he would he wouldn't even dare to eat anything like he went to one of our friends houses and they offered him a brownie and he's like no I don't eat that because I do not like the way I feel when I eat that way I feel out of control so right um so but unfortunately it's just a a phase and hopefully he'll come back around but what I do know as a parent though is that I've given him all the right tools for his toolbox and hopefully in the future he will know to use them and I just have to kind of go with that (laughs) so um but as far as I'm concerned I think the reason that I lost so much weight and things started going so much better for me I mean it was crazy my brain fog went away I felt like a million bucks I didn't feel sluggish because I went through this phase where I felt terrible and the doctors tested everything they could not tell me what was wrong I had this irregular heartbeat and they were like oh you have um I don't know some kind of heart condition and they had me in all these beta blockers and come to find out after my last contest prep um I hired a functional medicine doctor and because she is a bodybuilder and she knows what we put ourselves through and she quit blaming everything on my training and on my lifestyle and she dialed in the fact that I have Hashimoto's Ah, so on top of all of this training and stuff that I was doing I was making my Hashimoto's extremely angry (laughs) (laughs) because I was putting my body under so much stress for contest prep so um, I was really fortunate that I branched outside of my typical medical um, menagerie that I had been in because and actually found somebody because I was just like you know screw this I'm tired of going to all these doctors and they're like oh you have this going on because you're training overtraining and you have to back it off and you know I didn't want them to keep blaming it on training especially because I knew I had had a problem before I started training because why the heck when I go off of all these foods and stuff do I lose all this weight and feel like a million bucks I mean granted Um, all the processed food and stuff is really hard on one's system. But I mean, I had like such crazy results that it was like, okay, there had to have been something going on. So, (laughs) you know, uh, yeah, it must've just brought down the inflammation enough that it fixed the thyroid problem. Yeah. Helped it. Something, you know, and then I jumped back, you know, and then the thing is I started having trouble, um, probably eight or 10 weeks out from my very first prep, which is the picture that you see, um, I started having trouble dropping weight at that point. And I think that's because I got that Hashimoto's angry and it started to just give me all this inflammation. So that was a pretty, pretty big battle. Um, 
but then this last couple of the last run of shows that I did was uh, my body just wasn't responding at all towards the end of it. And then right after I got out of it, I thought I'll get my calories up and I will, you know, take a little break and start reverse dieting. And my body still wasn't responding. It was like a month after my shows and I still felt like death and it was like, okay, what's going on? So that's when I found the functional medicine doctor and she was like, you know, everything came back actually pretty well, except for, and then that's when she was like, yeah, I think you have Hashimoto's. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> you know, she's so anyway, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, anyway, so she, um, got that all cleared up and we got me on armor thyroid and, you know, I started cleaning up other aspects of my life because, um, as you probably know, Hashimoto's it goes off of stress as well. Yes, so yes. if you're putting yourself under extreme amounts of stress, which is what I was doing, because regardless, I was training extremely hard and putting lots of pressure on my body there. Um, I had to kind of find a homeostasis with my training and my food and everything to kind of get that to go into remission. So that was kind of a, um, kind of a, an experiment and then what I ended up doing, I was, I'm a big time researcher and I was like looking into all these things and you know what came up multiple times because here I'm, I'm still paleo, right? I'm still eating really super clean, probably 90% of the time. I mean, I just got done with some bodybuilding shows, so I actually wanted to eat some things that were bad, you know, like burgers and fries and whatever. And that made me really flare up bad. Um, but then when I got back to my traditional, like really super clean eating, I still, my body still wasn't responding. And I was like, well, I broke myself now, you know? So I actually ended up going carnivore for about eight weeks and just oh. went straight nose to tail carnivore eight weeks. And I had only planned on doing it for a month just to kind of reset things. And after a month, I felt so amazing that I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going with this. And right about the eight week, week mark, I was training and I just kind of bottomed out at the gym. And I was like, okay, well, that's my body telling me it's time to put some stuff back in. And I slowly brought some things back in, a thing here at a time and a thing there. And now I'm almost completely fine. So um, I think it just, I needed to do something to kickstart the reset maybe <laughs> so yeah right <laughs> um anyway so okay. yeah <laughs> well awesome. there thanks so, yeah i got the story yeah good <laughs> to know so today um i think that we were hoping to talk about the ramifications though of crash dieting um on your metabolism and your thyroid because so many people don't realize that they're they're actually causing themselves to hang on to weight by limiting their calories and by doing these crash diets, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, so I can talk about that. <laughs> yay. Yeah. No and that's my favorite thing to talk about, especially because you have all of these, um, a lot of these programs out there, these multi-level marketing programs and things that are putting these people on these crazy, you know, 60 minute cardio workouts and then they recommend that they only eat a thousand to 1200 calories a day you know yeah. and yeah. most people even like even my fitness pal and all of these 
macro and calorie trackers, if you put in your height and weight, they almost, it seems like a default. I don't know what it is. They is like 1200 calories. You know, I always used, I was just on another podcast yesterday and that's exactly what I said. I'm like, this calculator spits out 1200 calories and (laughs) I went on and on about it, but it is, it's always 1200. It seems like. And I don't get it because like, especially like, I'm in all these groups on Facebook and things because I just, I'm like, I like to check out what other people are doing. And it's so many girls, like I'm in this one group, it's a weightlifting group. So many girls are on a thousand or 1200 calories. And I don't know why that is the magic number. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, let's do it then. Let's let's get started. Awesome. (laughs) So first of all, you should introduce yourself and let everybody know um, who we're talking with today. So I'm Karen Martell. I'm a certified transformational nutrition coach and expert in women's weight loss and hormone health. Um, I have my own journey, of course, which has brought me here, which is that I suffered extremely with my own weight loss resistance when I was in my early 30s. And I was doing what everybody is telling us to do, which was I worked out harder And I cut my calories, I counted my macros, and I still continued gaining weight. And it wasn't until I started to look at the bigger picture that I realized that, hey, there's way more to weight loss than what we're being told out there. And since then, I've just been on a mission to help other women find what I call is their weight loss code, which is trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, which is far beyond the calorie counting and the exercise to figure out what else could be stopping them from losing weight or making them plateau when they are on a weight loss journey. I love it. And uh, that you're a girl after my own heart already, I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, so when you got started with this, um, what was some of the things that you learned? Well, in my own journey, I figured out that even though I was in my early 30s, and no doctor would have told me this, I figured out that there was a hormonal piece to, to it. I had just had my first child, and it seemed to happen after I'd finished breastfeeding. It was like suddenly the weight just started to come on and it didn't matter what I did. It just kept piling on. It was at the heaviest I'd ever been. And I was like, I'm working out harder than I've ever have. I'm eating cleaner than I ever have. I tried every flipping diet there was to try from detoxifications to the zone, Adkins, you name it. I tried it. And yet my body was continuing to gain weight. I was, it had severe sudden onset insomnia horrible menstrual migraines where I would have a migraine for, you know, a week to two weeks at a time before my, before and during my period, I had started getting skin rashes. I was super bloated in my stomach, constipated. There was moody, just super tired. And I was like, there is something else happening here. And so on my own, like through my own research, I figured I got to go get my hormones tested even though I was 33, my doctors was like, no, your, your hormones are fine. You're not, you're with your 33 years old. You're not in menopause. You don't have to worry about that until you're in your fifties. And so I went to a naturopath and I insisted on having my hormones checked. And sure enough, my cortisol was, which is your stress hormone was super high. And I was like, what? I'm not a stressed out person. Like it made no sense to me. And I was like, but I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. 
But yet there I was, you know, a single mother, I was running my own business, and I was working out six days a week, super hard going to boot camp. So yeah, my stress was super high. And it was actually causing me to hold on to my weight rather than lose it. And we can get into why that is. Um, but I also found out my estrogen was really high, um, which estrogen is a fat storing hormone. I, I, the insomnia would have been from the cortisol. And from there, I also, my DHEA was really low. My progesterone was low, but also I had all this hormone dysfunction that nobody would have found had I not done my own research and figured it out for myself. And unfortunately we're seeing this in younger and younger women these days. And so we don't connect the two. We don't say, Oh, because um, I can't lose weight because I must have a hormone dysfunction. Like women don't put that together. Doctors don't put that together because we associate hormone dysfunction with menopause, which we all think is in our fifties. And unfortunately it's starting at a younger and younger age. We're now starting to see it when women are in, you know, from 35 and up, some women even earlier, they're starting to go through what is called perimenopause. And so I, it wasn't just the hormones. It was also, you know, I had to deal with a bunch of emotional garbage. I had had an eating disorder when I was younger. I had really abused my body through my 20s with alcohol and drugs. And I just was extremely disconnected. And I was constantly looking outside of myself for the answer, which was, what's the next best diet? What's the next be best workout? And I never looked internal and connected with who, you know, with my body and who, what it was telling me. And I, and I had to do that. I had to go inward and figure it out and deal with some trauma that had happened. And that was a huge piece of that puzzle for me. Um, I looked at my digestive system because I was constantly so bloated. I found out I had a parasite. I had done a lot of international travel. So I had kind of this perfect storm happening, which is actually extremely common storm for women to have. And as our body gets older, as well as the stress of a pregnancy can activate a lot of these things and make them worse, which it was what happened to me. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny because you're saying that the perimenopause happens sooner and sooner, which I'm sure we're going to get to cover that. But um, how do you, I mean, based on my research and a lot of the things that I have been um, looking into, I find that a lot there's a lot of factors now um, with that are involved with the standard American diet as well and insulin resistance that actually are bringing that on sooner too. Yes, and you know I, I try not to like I, I want women just to simply eat better, but unfortunately, yes, we've come so far in our standard American diet, and we've had this overload of sugar carbohydrates in our diet that most women that I work with, they have to eliminate so much of it in order to heal the system. So whether that's going keto, carnivore, I love paleo. Paleo is probably my favorite one that is for long term, but those diets tend to eliminate a lot of the carbohydrates that we're seeing in our diet, right? Gets rid of the grains, gets rid of the beans, gets rid of the sugars, and so I find that that's a very healing diet. And when I was personally going through this, I found the paleo diet in my journey. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Like my blood sugar stabilized. I felt so much better. My bloating got way better. 
And I just felt like this is it. I don't have to count calories. I don't have to macro count. And I just found that it was so easy to sustain. It wasn't, I never felt deprived because all the foods you eat are very satiating, right? When you eat proteins and you eat good fats, it absolutely, it, what is triggering hormonally in our brain is just to be satiated. Unlike carbohydrates, which, which promote overeating and tells you to eat more of it. So it was just this, like, it was like this aha moment, like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. I'm eating good food. I don't have to watch what I'm eating. It naturally created a caloric deficit without starvation. But funny, Connie, I never lost any weight on it. But yet I and I still do it to this day. I'm still paleo. I go in and out of paleo ketosis now for over 10 years. And it's so funny, but the diet itself has never made me lose weight. <laughs> That's funny. Well, especially when you have people like me who like go on it and like just dump half their body size you know and that's another thing that I talk about a lot is like you know what's right for me may not be right for you as far as weight loss goes but I think the that the rewards from eating a paleo diet or an extremely clean diet are boundless they're very amazing you know yeah and I think that it's a good starting point for most women that are having troubles losing weight or they've got inflammation or gut issues starting with an ancestral based diet is by far the best because from that template you can move around where it's like okay I've eliminated these inflammatory foods these high carbohydrate foods now that I've been doing it for a few months now let's okay let's put some quinoa back in or some rice or beans and see how that makes me feel see what it does to my weight. What is it doing to my hormones? You know, is my PMS worse? Is my blood sugar worse? And you can then add to it and find that tolerance for those carbohydrates, as well as for the fat intake, the protein intake. If you need to, you can even then from there eliminate more inflammatory foods. If you feel like, hey, I felt better, but I'm still getting inflammation. I still have these gut problems. Then you can take it a step further and go, um, to an autoimmune type paleo-based diet or to the carnivore diet and see if that helps you further along. Awesome. So um, now let's get into the crash dieting. How is this affecting um, our, our weight loss goals? Well, it's proof. It's been proven time and time again, like you can go to the science and if you really dig into it, you'll see that, absolutely calorie counting does not work for weight loss period like over long term it does not work now in the beginning when you first put your body into a caloric deficit yes your body will lose weight but our bodies are extremely smart and you can never forget that and we are hardwired for survival your body on the inside does not know that we are in 2020 and that there is a ton of food around So when you start to restrict your body in the beginning will lose weight and that thermogenic factor comes in where it's like if you're putting if you're burning more and compared to what you're taking in, the body will lose some weight. This is why at first when you first start any diet, really, for most people, they'll lose some weight. But then it stops. And what do women do when they stop losing weight? They think, well, calorie count, calorie cutting worked in the beginning so I must need to cut my calories further 
in order to continue losing weight. And it's this vicious, vicious cycle that you see women time and time again doing where they just keep cutting. And you'll see this a lot right now with, um, right now fasting is a huge fad. I love it. I have all my members doing it. Um, as well as keto is very, very popular. It's the most uh, Google diet right now is the ketogenic diet. Once again, love it. And I use it appropriately. But what I'm seeing with women right now, and this can go really to any diet, but is that keto and fasting, fasting, you're not eating. And so women in the beginning, they cut, you know, they cut their eating window so that they're only eating, let's say two meals a day. And I've seen countless women that come into my office saying, I'm only eating two meals a day. I fast every single day. And I'm like, yeah, but now you're only eating 600 calories a day because you're eating two meals a day. Right. So what does the body do when that happens? The body thinks on the inside, because we're all built for survival, is there must not be enough food around. So let's slow down our metabolism. And you'll and with this happens in scientific research, it shows within two to three weeks this happens of a Mm -hmm. calorie restricted diet, the metabolism will slow down. It will actually start to affect what's called your T3 hormone, which is one of your, it's your active form of thyroid hormone in the body. Thyroid directly affects your metabolism. It will slow it down. So within two to three weeks, your metabolism will say, your inside of your body will say, there's not a lot of food around. We're only getting 1200 calories a day. Or for some people, 600 if they're fasting or keto for a lot of people because keto really stamps out hunger and they don't eat very much. All of these things causing a caloric restriction and the body is going to say, no, this we need to preserve our fat. And this is why you'll plateau. That's why the 1200 calories doesn't continue to work. If that was the case, if it did, so that calculator spits out at you after you go put in, oh, here's how much, uh, how tall I am and how much I weigh, and this is my weight loss goals and my activity level, and it spits out 1,200 calories, and you should be losing a pound a week at that rate, well, would we not all be seeing, like, dramatic weight loss, you know, within a year? How much is that? That's ridiculous. No, it stops, and everybody knows this. The weight loss stops some sooner than later but it always stops. And that's because your metabolism will always match that caloric intake. So whether it's 600, 1200, it's going to match it. It's also why people can eat 3000 calories a day and actually not gain a lot of weight. Like overweight people, they may be 250 pounds, but you'll talk to them and they've been 250 pounds for five years, even though they're eating excess calories day in and day out. And that's another, right. And that's another thing that's like this common misnomer, like your metabolism, excuse me, your metabolism is a thing. It's only one thing. No, your metabolism is how your body regulates as a whole, which means yeah. that your metabolism, when you start cutting calories like that is going to um, change in all sorts of different ways because it's your body as a whole. So that may even be reducing the amount of activity you have or making your menstrual cycle irregular. It starts getting rid of the things that it does not need to survive. So that, that may be the form of fatigue, you know, for some people, because your body doesn't want you to have as much energy going out because it's trying to preserve energy and not burn calories. So yeah. And if, if your body perceives 
this threat of starvation, what's first, what is, what is it first going to hit? Probably your hormones, because God forbid you get pregnant and you can't feed your baby on the inside. So as a survival mechanism, as far as the human race goes, your hormones start to become greatly affected when you're calorie restricting. Now, here's, the, here's where it gets tricky, because you also can't lose weight when you're eating 3,000 calories a day. So there is the effect of calorie restriction and weight loss. You can get it. But the trick is, is to keep the body guessing. And this is where every diet goes wrong, if you ask me. No, I shouldn't say that there's many functional medicine doctors that are coming full circle. And, and I have been hearing it lately more often from different uh, Dr. Pompa, Dr. Mercola, which are two very uh, well-known functional medicine practitioners in the um, online world of health. Uh, there's been a couple, Dr. Davidson, there's been a few other guys, but anyways, the, the, the trick is to keep the body guessing, which means you put your state, your body into that state of calorie restriction, but then you got to pop back out of it and tell mm -hmm. your body, Hey, everything's okay. Your thyroid can, needs to function properly. Your adrenals need to function properly. And with that, you need carbohydrates. So you refeed the system with lots of great carbohydrates, more of a calorie, like a cal calorie surplus. And you keep the body in what is called, what I call diet variation. And so you okay. keep it circulating up and down. So some days you'll fast and you reap the benefits of the caloric restriction, which fasting can create is very anti-aging when done properly. It's, um, it's great for getting rid of, you know, abdominal fat. It, it, the list goes on. It's very, it's autophagy, which means it's going to slough off old cells and create new ones. Like it's amazing. So you do these fasting times, but don't, do it every day, which is where people are going wrong, or don't do the calorie restriction every day, because then your body will slow down the metabolism. So having a refeed window, and so this is very big in your world, right? The carb cycling. Yes. I was just going to talk about Been that. around yeah. forever. So yeah, let's hear it, Connie, because this um, is, that's where it comes from is carb cycling. You guys know the benefits of it. Right. And that's what I was going to say is, in a bodybuilding world where you're trying to get extremely lean and into the single digits of body fat, it's not unbeknownst to be, you know, manipulating things and tricking the body to be like, no, it is okay. You know, we carb cycle. We also will go in a deficit for a certain amount of time and then do a really high calorie day or a refeed, you know, yes. um, there's all sorts of different manipulations that we're taking into play to keep our body guessing so that it's not like, oh no, I'm dying. It's over. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's all sorts of manipulations. And the same thing with coming out of a show and being super lean. If you have a great coach, which if you don't have a coach that that uh, reverse diets you, then you need to run as fast as possible. Um, but mm -hmm. if you have a great coach, they are going to reverse you and get you back up to a place where you're at high calories again. Um, so. Yeah. You know, in my case, I did not have a great coach. Fortunately, I had knowledge and I coached myself through um, reverse dieting myself to the point of where I've almost tricked my body to allow me to eat tons of calories and not ever gain weight. 
which is crazy. Which uh, is great. Yeah. And it's a great place to be, but I have to kind of keep it guessing and do different things too, because I can't just, you know, keep, I can't keep myself in this same place constantly. Eventually it's going to change. So what I have been doing is actually bringing it up a little bit until I get a little pushback and then I'll kind of stay there for a while. Um, yes. But yeah, it, we're, we're constantly manipulating things in order to keep our body guessing to get stage lean because we wouldn't get stage lean by just cutting calories, cutting calories, cutting calories. We are doing that too, but we're also throwing surprises in there as well. <laughs> Yeah, because if you did that, you're going to break your metabolism. You're gonna, it's going to mess it up for a very long time, too. Like, it doesn't fix really easily when you put your body in that starved state, in that stressed state for a long period of time. It does a lot to the system. It does a lot to your hormones. To pull you back from that is very challenging. And I've worked with people where it's like you have to very, very slowly and incrementally put back in the calories and carbs because they've come they've done it for so long they've had no carbs for so long because women especially in these low carb diets they think less is better so and you go on all the forums the keto forums the fasting forums they all say if someone says oh i've stalled out everybody thousands of people jump on and say oh cut down farther go down to 10 grams of carbohydrates well your body your adrenal system and your thyroid they need carbohydrates we need glucose in the system it it needs fat too it needs protein but it does need glucose and so to starve it for a really long time the body will become extremely sensitive to carbohydrates and i'm sure you know that from experience like when you have to come back like you said the undieting or whatever term you yeah use. reverse dieting reverse yeah. dieting yeah it's that's an yeah awesome... absolutely and, and it's not some magic thing too when i reverse diet i literally started reverse dieting um in june of 2019 and i basically still am if you really want to get down to brass tacks because i'm still trying to add calories but i literally added 50 calories a week yeah so it's not something that i was just like oh here's 200 calories 400 no it took a lot of patience And then I also had to reverse other things as well. I was doing two and a half hours of cardio a day. I couldn't just stop doing that. I had to bring that down slowly as well because I was trying to create all these checks and balances for the huge deficit that my body had just gone through over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is great that you do that. Like most people wouldn't. Most people just, and somebody, when you're young enough, you can rebound probably pretty darn quick. But the more you do it and the older you get, the more effects you're going to feel from doing that, putting your body through such a stressful state. Right. And then right off the bat, I do have to say this, this wasn't some magic thing that happened. And I just stayed where I was at right off the bat, especially because I had my damaged my thyroid even more by depleting myself so much right off the bat. I started gaining weight like crazy, even at only, you know, taking my calories up slight amounts Um, The minute I stopped doing crazy training and crazy dieting, my body was like, oh, I'm going to hang on to everything that I have. The other thing was is extreme hunger, right? Because my leptin was bottomed out. My ghrelin was high. This was all crazy stuff going on because all my hormones were completely, I had wreaked havoc on them, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm starving. I'm having to reverse diet myself. And it, you know, it took me a lot of patience with my body. I knew that I had it 
I had to gain weight in order to find the homeostasis. So it was kind of one of those things where sometimes you have to take a step back in order to take a step forward. And I had to give myself grace with that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's smart. And that's what happens. I mean, research shows that as well is that leptin goes down, ghrelin goes up when we diet, which is the whole fall off the wagon and binge eat, right? Because your body is driving you to eat everything in sight and you cannot get enough. You're starving because your body's going, okay, we don't know when, if we're going to go back into this famine. So quickly put some fat back on, hold on to everything, right? Your metabolism is slowed because of the starvation. So it does, it doesn't burn any of it off and it holds on to it in, in case it goes back through the famine again. Yeah. And it's the perfect storm really, Karen, because if you think about it, you know, first of all, you have those, that disruption in hormones and you're starving to death. And so then what do you do? A lot of people, they, they have a very hard time ignoring that they go out and they binge eat. Right. And even though they're full, they continue to eat. And when they do guess what happens, our insulin levels are now soaring. Well, what happens when your insulin levels are soaring, you're actually even hungrier, you know? So your body's trying to find this balance and it's just a complete train wreck. Yep. And when you look at the theory behind diet variation, it's actually very enjoyable and sustainable, right? Because it's not as strict as what most diets tell you to do. It's not telling you to eat 10 grams of carbohydrates and 1200 calories a day. That's not what it is. It's keeping things circulating, right? And when you're not training for a show, Doing this as a cycling woman is really easy because if you start to listen to your body and where your cycle is and where you are in your cycle, you'll see that in the first half of your cycle, it's really, really easy to do things like fast and go low carb and, and to work out more. And like we have the energy and we've got the, we don't have the sugar cravings like we do at the second half of our cycle. So take advantage of that time. And then in the second half of your cycle, your serotonin begins to drop and your carbohydrate cravings come up. And that's normal. And we should be listening to that. And that's when you'll maybe go for some ice cream or, you know, eat some, eat more, just more carbohydrates in general, eat more fruit, eat more potato, sweet potato, things like that, where it raises back, raises up a little bit. And you need that comfort of the carbohydrates because carbohydrates eventually lead to the production of serotonin. So it's all for reason. And so listening to those signals in your body and getting in tune with it makes it really easy to follow a diet variation. Absolutely. I love that. Um, And then, yeah, that's the other thing is like, if you're constantly stressed as well in a dieting state, you're going to just automatically crave more carbohydrates on top of it. So that just kind of adds insult to injury. Yeah. I always know when my stress levels are too high because I start to crave sugar all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, whoa. I need to just take some time. I'm stressed out. And because it does, it raises blood glucose. And then you're rising, you're, you're riding the blood glucose freaking roller coaster all day, which makes you crave sugar. Absolutely. So um, when you do, you recommend this diet variation to clients, do you have a cycle that you run that run for them on that? Or what, how do you address that? So I, 
I have, I actually will, when I'm working with someone one-on-one, I will create a meal plan with this implemented in it, depending on where they're at. Like if they're coming from a hardcore keto diet or calorie restricted diet, then I can kind of jump right into diet variation, but just add the carbs in slowly. Um, if it's somebody that's just coming from the outside world is just looking to lose weight, hasn't been doing anything like that, then I can pop them right into it and slowly work up their fasting days um, as the month goes on. Uh, in my, I have a membership group for women that are looking to balance their hormones to lose weight. And in that group, they actually get a weekly meal plan that has this all inside of it so that they don't have to do it. So there's days where calories go up, carbs go up, and then there's days where they go down and we cycle um, even, even on the, some days are low carbs, some days are high carbs, some days are fasting, some aren't like I cycle it for them and it changes weekly so that it continues to keep, get the body, keeps the body guessing. It doesn't know what's coming. So it actually can continue to lose weight and not hit a weight loss plateau. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's another thing. How do you feel? I mean, I've, I'm, I research all sorts of stuff. And that's why I love talking to people like you. Um, How do you feel about, I mean, obviously at some point in our primal living, granted that is not how life is now, but this is how our body was designed. Mm -hmm. We were at times where we were eating a lot more meats and then that would change to eating a lot more vegetation. How do you feel about cycling things a little bit that way too? I, I completely agree. Like for me, it's way easier for me to go into ketosis in the winter. Right. So now not just a monthly cycle, but let's look at our yearly cycle and listen to that as well. It's easier to go into fasting states in the winter. Our our metabolism, you know, there is theory that it does slow down a little bit. Thyroid will slow down a little bit in the winter months because it's a hibernating season. Um, And then come summer, spring, I don't I hardly ever I hardly ever go into like hardcore ketosis or do like any sort of long term fasting because my body is like, give me the fruit. Like, I don't want to eat fruit in the winter. I have no desire for it. But come summer, when it's all coming out fresh in season, I want to eat a lot of it. And I listen to that. And I'm also moving around more so I don't gain the weight from it. So listening to that, I think is very important. And I always go back to what would we have done as hunter-gatherers? Because our DNA hasn't really changed much since then. And that's why that diet variation works because that's what we would have done. We would have had times where there was famine. We would have had times where there was a whole shit ton of protein around. We would have been eating, you know, the elk we just caught or whatever, just killed or whatever. And then there'd be times where you'd hit a strawberry patch and eat a ton of carbohydrates. So eating in variation throughout the year, I think is more of what we would have done. We wouldn't have been in ketosis year round. Ketosis was a survival Um, mechanism for when there wasn't a lot of food around we needed to tap into our own fat stores so going in and out having that metabolic flexibility is key to I think health and weight loss awesome and I swear some of my listeners are gonna think I'm a keto hater I am absolutely not a keto hater I know (laughs) some people probably think I am too even though I sell keto programs (laughs) I'm just like but my thing is is like in society now the way it's been um mainstreamed it's it is become this diet of 
um, artificial sugars and is and carbophobia, <laughs> you oh, know, totally. And, and and like if you're not eating carbs and you're doing keto, which is incorrect because keto is actually an extremely high fat diet. Um, that's how you become fat adapted. And so a lot of people are misunderstanding of that. And I, I feel that I'm glad anytime somebody makes the step to change their ways, I think that's great. And I think keto does eliminate a lot of processed and packaged foods. Um, but I think people are misunderstanding of what keto actually is. Yeah. It's teaching your body how to tap into your own fat stores to burn and, it has been completely misconstrued in a lot of senses. There's some that aren't, but there's a lot of this dirty keto where people are just eating like tons of dairy and burgers and patties and just not good fats necessarily. Right. And they're not eating clean. Uh, I've worked with keto for years. I've seen it work miracles for people. It worked. It's an amazing diet to help people get off sugar addiction, to help heal the gut when done correctly, help give people energy back. And it's very easy to sustain. So for somebody that's struggled with weight loss and has struggled with sticking to healthy eating, it can be a real game changer. And the, but the trick is you just don't want to stay in that state all the time. You want to be able to get your body into ketosis and burning your fat stores, but then you need to start to introduce carb days. You need to, you need to start that cycling where you're not always ketogenic and that will save the thyroid. It'll save the adrenal system and continue with helping all of your hormones and most people don't do that. Like I said before, they just continue to restrict farther rather than start to open it up to, okay, now let's see if I can bring some carbs back in and see what that feels like. What does it do to my blood glucose and start to get that diet variation back into it. All of my keto programs all have carb up days in them because I feel so strongly about it. So when I use it with people, I always insist that once you're in ketosis, which is usually about 30 days, some people a little bit longer, that's the time that after that you need to start seeing, okay, how many carb ups do you need to do in a week to keep your metabolism healthy? And I love that because that, I think, also saves people from the um, detrimental effects of when they decide they're done with the diet and they bring carbs back in. Yeah, You know, 99% of people aren't going to just bring in a little bit here and then bring it, you know, generally reverse themselves out of it. Most people dive in full force, you know, um, and it's that perfect storm again because it's just like binge eating where you – jump in you get carbs your body hasn't had all these carbs in a long time and next thing you know yeah yeah. and so I think that's great where you start to cycle it back into things so that you know when they do you know decide to come off of their keto journey they their body is already used to the fact that it's been having carbohydrates all along yes you don't want to become carb intolerant that's not something you want Right. And, you know, and that was the funny thing is everybody was thought because I went on the carnivore diet that I was going to go into ketosis, which I actually didn't um, because I was eating so much protein, right? You Mm -hmm. gluconeogenesis, you cannot become most people on the carnivore diet don't go into ketosis. And so that was a hard thing to explain to some of my friends and people that were asking about what I was doing, because to them, a keto diet is just no carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that's another thing, though, and I'm sure you might agree on this. 
that I do like about the keto diet is it has made it so that fat is not the enemy. Um, yes, exactly. And that's something that I'm really, really excited about because for so long, fat has been made the enemy. You have, you know, no fat and low fat cottage cheese. You have no fat and low fat milks and butters and all of this stuff. When really that healthy fat women especially need healthy fat in their diet in order for it to hormonally function properly. Yeah, we make hormones through cholesterol. We get cholesterol through good fat. So if you're not eating the good fat, you're going to have hormone dysfunction. Yeah, so I love that. I don't know if we can dive into that a little more too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's just in the chain of how we make our hormones is we make hormones through cholesterol, cholesterol, we make pregnenolone from there, we make progesterone and it goes down the line. And so if you're not eating good fats, you don't have the building blocks to make hormones proper properly. Now, other things make like we can make estrogen through our fat cells. You know, we can do cortisol in our adrenal system, but it still all starts at that top chain, um, it, which is cholesterol. Absolutely. Which is another reason why a lot of people, and you may or may not agree with me on this one, but a lot of people end up that are on these no fats and extremely low fat diets end up losing their gallbladder. Um, because, you know, cholesterol is used in the production of bile. And if your bile is just sitting there because it's not needed to process fats, then eventually you're going to end up with all this sludge. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I do agree with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's just another, uh, you know, it's natural for our body to be eating fat. And so when you're cutting fat out, it's really actually unhealthy. Yep. Yeah. You need the good fats in the diet a hundred percent and it's satiating too, right? It's good for, it's good for so much. Love it. Yeah. Um, then that's one thing I found with myself is I've, I, you know, during contest prep, I'm not no fat, but I keep my fats pretty low and which I won't this next time around, I've really learned how my body functions and what not to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, You know, the road of mistake, you learn what not to do. But, um, you know, I will, I've noticed that the higher my fat is, the less hungry I am. I just don't feel like eating. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I struggle to get in as many calories as I need to get in because I'm just not hungry. Yeah. Yeah. No, butter's my best friend. so um can you tell me a little bit more about how you know the cycle of crash dieting and how you feel it's um causing people to hang on to weight um well I think we pretty much touched on most of it like it on a hormonal sense like you talked about it really affects the leptin ghrelin signals right in the system so you're going to want to eat more when you come off of come off of it Um, Your body will hold on to the fat when you constantly are doing a calorie-restricted diet. Do not listen to the calculators that spit out that number at you because every single person is different. And if your calculator is telling you you need to eat 1,200 calories to lose weight, but yet you are hungry and you are you have having to use willpower and fighting that hunger, it is a matter of time before that's going to backfire. And we all know that. So let go of it and know that there's no, it does not work for the long term. And to that the importance is never putting your body into that starved state for a long period of time. 
awesome. And so, and also people to be patient with themselves, right? Because, you know, everything's been made into this, this, I guess, how fast can we lose weight? You know, um, we've kind of lost our patience with things. And I find the longer over time it takes for you to lose weight and to make the adjustments to your body, the easier it is to keep it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. You're not we all having want this... the quick fix and if there's no quick fix. Right. Absolutely. And so that's definitely something that I think, you know, people need to understand is it's not just this 30, 60 or 90 day plan. Nope. It could be long, much longer than that, you know? Um, yeah. I and think in... it's, I was just gonna say, I just think it's good that when you go into it and you need to lose the weight that you, you look at it as, you know, I'm going to take the next, however long year, like put it, you know, two years, whatever it is, but give yourself time to make the changes and to find your weight loss goal. You know, you need to find out what your hormones are doing, your digestive system, what's your carb tolerance level. You need to find out, you know, what foods are causing inflammatory reaction, like kind of just go through these little steps so that you can figure out what it is that your body needs in order to lose weight. The fundamentals are going to stay the same, which is we all need to eat better. (laughs) We need to exercise. Those things will stay the same, but then you have to tweak it to fit your body type. Right. And you don't have to go out and tap out these crazy workouts either in order to lose weight. Um, you know, things can, you can start slow, your body doesn't. And that's another thing is, is just like we talked about manipulating our calories and things like that. Um, and our carb days and things is you, you can do the same with exercise. You don't need to go into exercise at a hundred miles an hour. You can start slow because you're starting with nothing. So any amount that you add in is probably going to benefit you. And then if you've yeah. been if you've been um, what I like to call hate exercising, hating exercising because you hate how you look. Um, if you've been doing that, then back it off, you know, um, just maybe dial it into like three days a week and let your body just, you know, get, get your cortisol levels down so that you, it can get control of everything and you can start to reduce the inflammation and start to, you know, retrain the way your body's functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So some key points, um, I guess if you were to want to explain to anybody the best way to start their journey and some um, things that they should definitely not do, uh, what would you tell them? Um, I think to start, I always have people start with um, a paleo-based or keto-based diet where you're doing like a 30-day lower-carb kind of get that blood sugar stable, take out the inflammatory foods. And then from that 30 days, then you start to tweak it and build upon it. If you don't lose weight, then you need to start looking further into things like your hormones, your digestive system, and see what else is at play. 95% of the time, it's your hormones. So if you are over the age of 35, definitely over the age of 40, If you're struggling to lose weight, even though you're eating well, then you must check your hormone levels because that is likely what is impacting. And without hormone balancing, you can't lose weight. Now, food will, like diet certainly helps to balance hormones. Like we talked about earlier, the cholesterol, the fat, all of those things will help you to balance your hormones when there's no inflammation, when your stress levels are down, all of those things will impact your hormone levels. But you still 
if, if you're still struggling, then you need to start to take a look and dive deeper into, you know, the progesterone, the estrogen, the cortisol and see what's happening. Um, because the diet and the exercise won't work if it hasn't. Right. So you have to look right. into the hormones. So I think that that's where people should start is, you know, first of off the diet, you know, cleaning it all up, getting rid of the inflammatory fruit foods for a period of time seeing what was bothering them and then bringing certain foods back in that they want to keep in their diet and see how they react to it so that they can kind of find their perfect diet and doing that diet variation, like start after that 30 days, start to implement days of fasting, you know, three days a week of fasting, some higher carb days, some lower carb days. Um, from there, once you get a hang of it, you can start to tune into your system and just start to go, okay, do I feel like fasting today? You know, like today I still haven't eaten Yesterday I was starving by nine o'clock and I ate. So, you know, start to tune in to what your body's telling you and start to read the signs and the signals of, okay, I think I can fast today or today's not the day and start to vary it. Awesome. And um, along with that it is absolutely tuning into, to what, how you're feeling. Like if you're not hungry, then, you know, that's your body. You don't need to eat. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of old school bro science out there for my bodybuilders listening to this. They're going to be like, no, you have to eat in order to keep things going. No, if you are not hungry, I don't find that it's necessary that you eat, you know? No. Yeah. So yeah, unless it's all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you need to revisit other things. And then also on top of the hormones, Karen, what do you, um, I know a lot of our regular primary care providers, if you go to them and say, Hey, I think my hormones are messed up. Most of them are going to go run some panel and be like, nah, they're within normal limits. What, who, and what do you recommend people look for when they go to find a provider to get this information from? Mm-hmm. Well, the joy of the hormone testing now in 2020 is you can do that from the comforts of your own home. So I personally sell at home hormone test kits. Um, I work with a lab down in the United States, one of the top um, hormone testing labs. So you can get it sent to your home. You can test your estradiol, your progesterone, your cortisol, your DHEA, all from the comforts of your own home. Um, And it's saliva hormone testing, which is more accurate than blood testing. And your doctor will only do blood testing. So blood testing only tests bound hormones and bound hormones, they're bound by a protein. And we only can utilize a little bit of those as far as, and then the saliva go, as far as the saliva one goes, you test what is unbound free hormones. And these, this, that is what your body can utilize. And, and so you want to test free hormones because sometimes the serum doesn't accurately show you what your body's actually being able to use at that time. It could be very different. But if all you can do is serum, then go and get tested with your doctor with serum. But then I would take the results and work with somebody like myself or a functional medicine practitioner. There's many, there's hormone, you know, certified hormone experts out there. There's so many people nowadays that, that you can get help from. Interestingly enough, usually endocrinologists and doctors and OBGYNs are not my first choices, unfortunately. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's why I said, well, let's ask you exactly what you recommend because I had the same experience. I was having trouble with my health, went to my doctor. They did my blood work, said I was fine or this was wrong. And it was because I was overtraining when 
really, in fact, I had other things going on. So I'm very fortunate that I found a functional medicine doctor that was uh, um, willing to look outside of within normal limits because really what is within normal limits, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I have my own podcast called the other side of weight loss and I give so much information about hormone health and that. So even listening to that, listening to other podcasts, reading it, doing your own research to find out where your levels should be, what you can do about it. There's so much information now out there that, that your doctor doesn't necessarily know and likely could probably doesn't. Awesome. So um, your podcast, your Instagram, your website, where can people find you if they want to look further into their hormonal health? Um, so you can go to my website, actually, karenmartell.com. And right on the front page, you'll see that I offer a hormone quiz to see what hormones could be affecting your weight. Uh, you can hear me on my podcast, The Other Side of Weight Loss. And it's been going for just over, I think, two years now. And uh, at Karen Martell Nutrition on social media. That is so awesome. And I'm so thankful that you came on the show today. And I will get all your information from you and put it in the show notes so that people can find you. And I so appreciate you coming on and chatting with me today. All right. Thanks, Connie. Well, I hope you enjoyed my episode today with Karen. I think it's important to understand that there are other factors affecting your weight loss and health journey besides just how many calories go in and how much exercise you do. So with that being said, if you like today's episode, please, please, please share it with your friends, share it with your family, subscribe, go check out her podcast as well. She can be found at KarenMartell.com, on Facebook at Karen Martell Nutrition, and on Instagram at Karen Martell Nutrition. I will put all of her information in the show notes. And as always, if you have any questions or podcast requests, I am available on Instagram at Connie Begani or my email, which is Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, H-A-R-T-E-L at hotmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, that would be fantastic. And please share with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.